Welcome to New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. comes to us from Luke, the fifth chapter. Once when he was in one of the cities, there was a man covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he bowed down with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. Then Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he ordered him to tell no one. Go, he said, and show yourself to the priest. And as Moses commanded, make an offering for your cleansing, for a testimony to them. But now, more than ever, the word about Jesus spread abroad. Many crowds would gather to hear him and to be cured of their diseases. But he would withdraw to deserted places and pray. The Gospel of the Lord. I'm going to take a poll of the whole crowd. All right? I'm going to take a poll. And if you're at home, you can follow along. Go ahead and raise your hand. You can have your wife nudge you or whatever. Now, typically when I take a poll, this is what I do. I say, don't raise your hand. And I say, don't nudge each other, right? But today is different. The reason I say that normally is because normally I'm talking about a sensitive topic and I don't want you to like out yourself in front of everybody. But today it's not a big deal. It's just the reality we all live in. Okay. So you guys ready? So when I ask to use a raise your hand, if you fit this category, you proudly raise your hand. And if you don't and you fit that category, your friend, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse, whatever, go ahead and and take a good jab right into their side, right? Until they raise their hand. You guys ready? All right, here we go. Here's the question for you. When you go to Menards or Walmart or you buy something online, right? When you buy a product because maybe something at home broke and you need a new one, so you have an idea of how this should work, and you get that product home and you open up the box... How many of you cut through the tape, open it up, take the instruction manual, which is always right on top, put it to the side, and then start using the product before reading the manual, right? Who fits that category? I think that's 99.5% of you. All right. The first service is more like a 50-50 split. All right, so here's the other side of the coin. Do you fit this category, right? The other side of the coin is this. You get home. You have your product, you open up the box, you take out the manual, then you read through the manual, and then you use the product. Does anyone fit that category? All right, there was more than I expected. That's pretty good. Well, I fit the first category, right? I fit the first category, and so I tend to take the product home and plug it in and and just start using it right away, try to figure it out on the fly. But this is what I've learned. When I run into a problem and I actually have to sit down and read the manual, It's so amazing because I find out how much that product can do that I didn't realize because I didn't even know exactly all of the features on that product. You see, it's pretty amazing when you sit down with the manual written by the designer who can tell you all the features of the design that he made. 
You see, sometimes we run through life like this, don't we? There's some of us that just charge through life and we think we can figure it out or we know we're going to run some problems, but we just charge into life. And what happens is we do damage to people and we do damage to ourselves, right? We have to learn it the hard way. But for some of us, we operate a little differently, right? We like to find ourselves like online researching articles or in the self-help section at Barnes and Noble, whatever that might be. And so you find yourself digesting these books on marriage or finances or whatever that might be. And you go through all these things and then you learn it and then you live it out. But there's a problem. You see, the book that you are reading was made by somebody who fits in one of these two categories, Right? They're either the person who just charge into life and try to figure it out along the way and hurt people along the way, hurt themselves along the way. Or they're a person who simply read another book and then put that information from that book into their book. You, of course, see the problem. There's no experts in this conversation. So if there was a book on life, if there was a book written by the designer about life and about you, wouldn't that book be worth reading. Now, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian this morning, you're saying, well, there is, right? There's the Bible. And that's what we do every weekend. We read through God's word. We read through God's word and we find the transformational truth for not only the next life, but the present life. And then we put it into practice. We internalize that truth. And then we live that truth out because it's eternal truth given to us by the designer. It's a manual for life. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Well, four weeks ago, we started this new sermon series called Unfiltered Jesus. We're actually encountering a walking, talking manual, right? The walking, talking word. Jesus shows up. He not only tells us how to live life, he shows us how to live life, which means as followers of Christ. If we're going to follow in his footsteps, we better actually know how he operated so we can operate the same way. Now, some of you are thinking, wait, we're into four weeks of this? I haven't heard a single conversation about this. Don't worry. You can catch up, right? This is the day because honestly, there's no one in here that's actually 49ers fans or Chiefs fans, right? We're just all very sad Vikings, Packers, and Bears fans. We have nothing else to do today. Which means you could catch up today, you could watch all the first parts of this series, part one, part two, part three, and get caught up on our website, on the podcast, or, or through our live streaming. And uh, so if you haven't had a chance, please, please, please go back, because there's so much truth that I don't want you to miss out on. But today we're going to continue. And we're going to continue by diving into this book written by this guy named Luke. And Luke was a doctor. He was a medical professional And he actually writes down this biography about Christ with all these medical details, including this conversation between Jesus and a guy with a horrible disease. And this is what he writes. Once, when he was in one of the cities, there was a man covered with leprosy. So we start to see this engagement between Jesus and this guy with this disease called leprosy. Now, if you don't understand leprosy, if you're not familiar with it, this is what it is. It's a disease that causes your body to go numb, right? You lose feeling in your body. And worse than that, it also causes deformity, which would be a pretty, pretty horrible disease, even in the present. But in that day, it was even worse. 
It was even worse because in that day, there was not the same sanitary conditions that we have, right? They didn't have nice houses like us where rodents were kept out. They didn't live in those nice of conditions, which means if you go to sleep and you don't have leprosy and a rodent bites you, guess what you're going to do? You're going to wake up and you're going to deal with the problem, won't you? If you have leprosy in this day and a rodent comes in and starts chewing on you, you won't wake up because you won't feel it. Which means many people in this day who had leprosy would lose body parts, right? They'd wake up and their finger was gone because a rat had chewed through their finger and they didn't feel it. And they woke up and all of a sudden they had less body parts as before. This was a horrible, horrible, horrible disease. But it gets worse. Not only was it a horrible disease, but it was a transferable disease. Which means they couldn't live with their family, their community, They couldn't go to their place of worship, the temple, because they could possibly spread this disease. Now, they didn't understand bacteria and viruses. They didn't have microscopes yet. But luckily, God, the designer of life, had given them specific rules about these diseases to protect them. So it's actually built into his laws, built into his rules for them, that if they got a disease like leprosy, they had to live outside the community. And that was a loving gesture by God because he didn't want an epidemic on his hands, right? He didn't want them to stay at home, pass it to their family. The whole family gets leprosy, pass it to the community, pass it to all those people in their place of worship. So God gave them rules far beyond their understanding, right? The designer gave them how the design works and the realities they would live with in life and built their system around it. So this means that this man who had leprosy had to live outside the community, He couldn't engage with his family. He couldn't engage with his friends. He couldn't engage with his place of worship. This was a horrible, horrible, horrible disease. This man was absolutely 100% desperate. So this is what he does. When he saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. So he runs into town and because this guy was deemed unclean, right? He had this transferable disease. He runs into town, but here's the thing. When you ran into town and you had leprosy or some other disease that fits category that you could, you could give to somebody, you had to run into town and you had to yell unclean, 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 unclean. As you traveled through the town, this was humiliating, right? This was humiliating. So when this man walked into the city, he was absolutely desperate and willing to look bad because he just needed something to be healed. He needed a change in life. Now, before he met Jesus, I have to imagine that he has talked to doctors. He's prayed. In fact, he's probably even prayed outside to God's outside his faith because he was so desperate. Finally, he gets so desperate. He goes to this man who he's heard rumors that this man can heal. And he falls on his face and says, please, 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 Jesus, heal me. Well, Jesus responds. Then Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I do choose be made clean. Now this moment here, this moment in history is absolutely scandalous. Jesus stretches out his hand and touches a man with leprosy 
which means he's taking the risk that he could get leprosy as well, right? This is a transferable disease. And not only that, but it was against the rules to touch somebody with a disease like this. In fact, if you touch somebody with a disease like this, you would be considered unclean. And guess what happened? At least for a time, until you were deemed clean again, until they found out you didn't have this disease, you had to live outside the community, away from your family, and you couldn't go to the place of worship. But Jesus takes the risk. He touches this man. A man who hadn't been touched since he was diagnosed with this disease. He says, be clean. Well, this is what happens. Immediately, the leprosy left him. I love this part. Because it shows us that this was a miracle. This was something supernatural. This was something that Jesus did. It doesn't say that he touched him and then later on, slowly the body began to heal Right? You could just write it off. Like, oh, he was healing already. He engaged with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, yeah, the healing process that was already happening, you know, finished. No, it says immediately. There was no scabbing. There was no healing process that they saw over time, over weeks. Immediately, he was clean. Immediately, the deformities were gone. This man was restored. This was unbelievable. And then Jesus gives this instruction and he ordered him to tell no one. So he says something very strange to this man after this man has been completely restored. He says, don't tell anybody, which honestly is so weird as a pastor. Cause I feel like a lot of my life I'm telling people, Hey, look, tell people about Jesus. Take the opportunities that you have, right? If God does something in your life, please, please, please go tell your coworker, your neighbor, your family member, your friend, right? Tell people. But Jesus does something so interesting. He says, don't tell anyone. But this is what he says next. Go, he said, and show yourself to the priest. And as Moses commanded, make an offering for your cleansing, for a testimony to them. He says, instead, this is what I want you to do. Go to the temple and go to the priest. Now, why would he go to the priest? Because in that day, it was the priest who decided if you were clean or unclean, right? They were given the laws, the loving laws by God, by the designer, the manual by the designer. And they were the ones who would look at the people and say, you are clean or unclean. In other words, you can enter back into the community. You can engage with your family. You can come back to the temple. And they would offer a sacrifice once they were considered clean and they would engage with life. But I want you to think through the scenario. This guy comes to the temple. Now, most people would come to the temple as they're healing, right? You come to the temple and say, look, I have scabs. You know, the scabs are going to fall off and there'll be some nice, healthy pink skin underneath. And then it will turn to normal, right? And most people would come that early because they want to get connected to the community as soon as possible. So when this guy shows up perfectly healthy, not a spot on him, not a single blemish on him. The priest is thinking, what happened? And when he asked that question, the man would answer. Look, I walked into town. I was desperate. I was isolated from everybody. So I went to this man, his name was Jesus. And I gave it a shot. What do I have to lose? I embarrassed myself. I yelled, unclean, unclean. Everyone ran away from me. And I went to him and he came to me and then he touched me, which of course would make the priest kind of shiver because you don't touch somebody who has leprosy. You don't touch somebody who's unclean. 
And he touched me and immediately I was clean. And he said, come to you. Now that story would spread very, very quickly, wouldn't it? If you experienced a miracle like that and you told somebody about it and they saw the proof, that story would spread so fast. And that's exactly what happened. And this is the result. But now, more than ever, the word about Jesus spread abroad. Many crowds would gather to hear him and to be cured of their diseases. The word spread. Christ's popularity grew. His influence grew. More and more and more people gathered to hear Jesus because they wanted to see the miracles. They wanted to experience the miracles. And if somebody could do this, they must have something worth hearing. And they would hear his stories and his teachings. And it was just building momentum. Right? This was a huge movement in the world. So what do we find in this story? What do we find for our lives? What is something that we can put some handlebars on and take home with us and use throughout the week? This is what we see. Right? This is what we see about following in the footstep in an unfiltered Jesus. We see this. That following Jesus, following the unfiltered Jesus, means caring for ourselves in order to care for others. Now, right now you're thinking, Ben, that doesn't really make sense. Right? As we read the story, we see Jesus not caring for himself. He cared for others. In fact, he put his life on the line because he reached out. He engaged with this person. He touched this person who had this disease, this horrible disease. He took on the potential of actually getting it himself What does that have to do with anything with self-care? Well, watch how this story ends. But he, Jesus, would withdraw to deserted places and pray. As the momentum was building, as the popularity was at its peak, as crowds and crowds and crowds of people gathered, Jesus walked away. When everyone wanted him, and needed him, he said no. When his to-do list was out of control, he took a break. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He operates so differently than how we operate. He acts so differently than how we are taught to act. Because what do we say in our culture? Right? We say things like this. You better strike while the iron is hot. What's the implication? The iron is cooling down. Your time is running out. And because you have this amazing moment, you better take advantage. Because as soon as you don't take advantage, it's going to be gone. And so what do we do? We work ourselves to death. Don't we? Or we say things like this. You have 15 minutes of fame. Which means as as soon as your popularity rises, as soon as your potential hits its peak, the clock is ticking. You're getting older. The week is running out. That client might go away. And we just keep working and working and working and working and working. But Jesus, at the height of his pop 30, does something so interesting. says he walks away to a place all by himself and he prays. He finds his restoration. Now, I don't know how much time you guys spend online or how much time you guys spend in bookstores, but recently, something interesting has happened. Man's truth, the expert's truth, is finally catching up with God's truth. 
And if you go to the self-help section right now, if you read any blogs recently, one of the major topics is self-care. Because people are finally realizing that the way they're operating, the constant grind, the never stopping, the never taking a break is destroying their lives. And they're learning that you actually have to be healthy to give health. This is wise, but it's not profound. It's not new. In fact, Jesus was just living out what the manual said from the very beginning. Back all the way up to the book of Genesis, what happens? God creates the earth, and then he does what? He rests, doesn't he? Not because he's fatigued, not because he needs to. He takes a break because he knows his creation needs to. He knows that we. So he sets this healthy pattern, and then he puts it into the law, doesn't it? If you guys memorize the Ten Commandments through confirmation or sometime along the way, we are given a commandment to take a Sabbath rest, to take a break, to find a restoration. In fact, later on, the Jewish people would take that to the extreme, and they could only take so many steps on the Sabbath because they knew that God needed them to be restored, to find their health, to give health, to bring positivity into the world. So it should come as no surprise That when Jesus shows up, the walking, talking designer, the manual in flesh, the word in flesh, that he acted exactly how God told him to act. Exactly how God wants us to act. He showed up and he had the highest popularity when anyone would say, you better not miss this opportunity. The crowds are gathering. You just got to make it happen. You got to grind it out. I don't care how tired you are. You go talk to them. You go do your ministry. You have to get this done or you're going to miss your opportunity. And he goes to a deserted place and he prays. He gets alone to find his restoration. You see, even the Messiah didn't have a Messiah complex. You struggle in this area? I was sitting at the men's conference Saturday and the speaker was doing a great job, but I was lost in my own thoughts. You guys are probably doing the same thing right now. And uh, this scripture was bouncing around my head all, right, all week, right? Because I was ready to present it to you and share God's truth with you. And, and I've become very passionate about this day, right? I, I've been thinking about this for seven days to so get this ready for you guys. And that thought crept into my mind. Even Jesus, the Messiah, didn't act like it all depended on him which is exactly what we do, don't we? If I take a day off, my business will crumble. If I don't do this project, surely it will fall flat on its face. Begin to destroy ourselves. We begin to destroy our families. We come back fatigued and tired and we never take a break. And about day 21, guess what happens? We start coping in very unhealthy ways. We start acting in very unhealthy ways. God, the designer, gave us a manual, not just for our transformation for the future, but our transformation for the present because he knew that we would get tired. He knew that we needed restoration. He knew that if we wanted to bring health into our families, into our marriage, into our business, into our leadership, that we have to be healthy. And this means that we need to hold on to this truth about following Christ that we have to care for ourselves, just like Jesus did. We need to take our rest. 
so we can bring that health, that restoration into those around us. 